0: August 1, 1966, Sung Zuying Ying was born to a poor family of Miao ethnicity, in Wujang County, of western Hunan Province. Later, she was selected to pursue college study in the Department of Dance at the Central University for Nationalities, while Zhang Zemin was born on August 17, 1926, 40 years senior to Song. Jiang is old enough to be Sung's grandpa. In CCTV's 1991 Spring Festival Gala, Sung Tzu Ying timidly sang a little basket on the back. Although the song did not leave much of impression on the audience, with all her makeup on, Sung Tzu Ying was especially dazzling. Grandpa Jiang took a fancy to her. Jiang relocated Sung to the Song and Dance Ensemble of the Political Department of Chinese Navy, where she became a major-ranking performer. Jiang would often come to the Political Department of the Navy to watch performances. And every time he was present, a particular performance by Sung had to be included. At the end of a show, Jang would go out to the stage and hold the hand of Sung, He did not seem to want to let it go. His eyes remained fixed on her as if he would swallow her. At one point, while shaking her hand at the end of a show, Jang covertly handed her a little slip of paper that reads, "'Come to see your big brother when you are in need. Big brother can help you resolve anything.' The big brother was no other than Jiang himself. Later on, Sung advertently revealed these words to others, when she was flushed with success. Jiang asked Seung to divorce her husband. After the divorce Seung lived in the guesthouse in the political department of the Navy. Jiang often would meet Seung in the guesthouse at night. He came secretly amidst tight security measures, and nobody from the outside could get close to him. Every time Jiang came a new license plate would put on his car, so it couldn't be identified as his vehicle. Regarding the rendezvous between Zhang and Seung at the guesthouse, the staff pretended to see nothing, but felt extremely disgusted within. Later, a senior cadre with a sense of propriety reported the Jiang sung affair to his superior, but as a result, the cadre himself was put under surveillance, and his phone was monitored. To cover up the covert relationship between Jiang and Sung, arrangements were made that Sung's ex-husband, Luo Hao, was required to be present whenever the journalists interviewed Sung Zuying, Ying. But he was not allowed to talk to the reporters. Sung would push him into another room, the so-called old brother Luo Hao, was forced to have such an awkward role to play. In 1997, a female singer from another ensemble was given a ride with Sung to a recording session at the CCTV studio. In the car, this singer happened to have opened the glove compartment and unexpectedly found the red card of Jong a special pass that allows its holder to freely enter the CCP's headquarters. Soon the story was spread so widely that the PLA systems and the telecommunication systems held multiple staff meetings requiring that all personnel have to abide by the political rules not to make, spread, or believe rumors. Subsequently, that female singer was dismissed and sent back to Tianjin, and before long, she was pushed out a balcony and silenced forever. As early as 1998, the affair between Zhang and Sung had been so widely spread in Beijing that it was known to almost everybody. One day in 2001, Zhao An the former head of the Literature and Art Department of CCTV, and, for many years, the director of the CCTV's Spring Festival Gala, invited some celebrated female stars, including Sung Zuying, Ying, to dinner. At the table, Sung bubbled over with enthusiasm about her romantic experiences with Zhang Ziman. Afterward, the details of the affair were leaked out by Zhao An, a librettist named Zhang Junyi, who was at bad turn with Zhao sent over 300 anonymous letters to various state department and agencies, to expose Zhao for his libel of leadership. The letters were full of explicit details of Zhang and Sung's affair. By now, everybody knew the secret in detail, but pretended otherwise, so Zhang was safe for two years. Later, someone tipped Jiang about the letters. Zhang was outraged even exploded at the meeting at the Politburo, to show his innocence. Soon on Jiang's order, Zhang Junyi was arrested, charged with offering and accepting a bribe, along with Zhao An, and sentenced to a prison term. Zhang Junyi received six years, while Zhao An received ten years' sentence. With those two gone, Zhang thought the leak was plugged. Later, in order to remain in power as the chairman of the Central Military Commission beyond his term, Zhang initiated a special motion in the CCP's 16th congressional meeting. This irritated grassroots scholar Luigi Jiaping. And he exposed the scandal between Jiang and Song. In order to block the information from leaking out, Jiang responded and had Liu Jiaping arrested at his home on February 23, 2004. The next day, an ultimatum appeared on the internet, warning Jiang that there was a professional edition of the video file for each of his secret meeting with Song. If Liu Jiaping was not released the following day, the videos would be publicized both to the whole country and the whole world. To the surprise of all. Lui Jiaping was released on the same day. However, after the incident settled down, Zhang had Lui Jiaping detained again in Hunan province and shut him up completely. Song continued her meteoric rise, and became a top-ranking performer of the state, who enjoys the government allowance given by the state council. She has also become a member of the Political Consultative Conference, executive committee member of all China's Women's Federation, a member of the National Youth Federation, and board director of Music Association of China. She enjoys the unparalleled privilege. She decides by herself what song to sing, and no directors or officials even in the central government's ministry of propaganda have a say in the matter. Leaders of the Chinese central and local governments were not less eager to please Sung, because they knew very well that it'd be more rewarding than trying to please Jiang directly. Once, the Navy Song and dance band were going to entertain and comfort the Navy in Tibet. When a high-ranking Navy officer saw Sung's name on the list, he announced, "'Sung is not going to Tibet. The high plane of Tibet is cold and harsh. If anything should happen to her, we wouldn't be able to face the General Secretary.' In the summer of 2002, Sung traveled to a city in Sichuan to attend her one person show, with approval of Yu Sigui, director of the Central Guard Bureau. Zhou Yong Kang, then party secretary of Sichuan province, provided Sung with top security guard services, something that would normally only be available to a national leader at a rank above vice premier. Among the numbers that Sung sang was a Hubei folk song Dragon Boat Melody. There was a dialogue I, a young maiden, wanted to cross the river. Who will give me a piggyback ride." Tens of thousands of people in the audience below the stage responded in unison, Grandpa Jang will give you one. Sung was very embarrassed, but she could not stop the performance. So, she had no choice, but tough it out and continue singing. In the second verse of the song, once again, came the same dialogue, tens of thousands of audience members below the stage responded loudly, Grandpa Jang will give you one. After she returned to the hotel, she wiped bitterly that night until her eyes turned red. The next day Sung flew back to Beijing to complain to Jiang. Jiang was angry, so he ordered the party secretary of that city in Sichuan to thoroughly investigate the incident. Jiang had a standing order that no TV camera should divert from Sung when broadcasting her performances, just to maintain absolute consistency in the recording of Sung's performance. So, a few days later, a reply was sent to the concerned department in the central government saying that although the city's TV station and public security bureau all videotaped the live performance that night, the cameras were all facing the stage not the audience. Therefore, there was no way for them to identify the rioters. Nothing ever came out of this incident. To please Sung Zhuying, Jiang spared no expense from the state's treasury. When Sung expressed her interest in performing a solo concert in Sydney's Opera Theater, Jiang immediately appropriated tens of millions yuan for the Navy to use in making Sung famous in Australia. In 2002, the organizer of World Cup in Korea requested that China, along with other countries, send a celebrity singer to perform during the opening ceremony. And it ended up that Sung, who was regarded by the host as the second-rate, was dispatched. To China's embarrassment, Korea compensated all the other stars that appeared in the ceremony big time for their appearance, but Sung did not receive even a penny. Also. Zhang once paid over 10 million yuan of the state money to help Sung to publish her first DVD, which went on sale just before Lunar New Year Eve in 2002. But the biggest gift through which Jiang ingratiated himself with Sung, was the National Grand Theater. It occupies an area of 118,900 square meters and sat on a construction site of 149,500 square meters. The investment for the core of the project was 2.688 billion yuan. The peripheral part of the project cost over 800 million yuan and was paid for by the city of Beijing. This part would be finished in four years. In addition to the above costs, a 300 million yuan investment was required before the completion of the project. The total for the project was 3.8 billion yuan, almost twice the sum of the donations made to the HOPE project, from both at home and abroad over the past 15 years. This amount could have subsidized 5 million poor students' educations. The National Grand Theater is beset with other problems, such as light pollutions, high cleaning and maintenance expenses, a monthly electricity bill of 4 million yuan and more. China is currently in dire need of electricity. 140 scientists from the Chinese Academy of Sciences and Chinese Academy of Engineering, as well as 114 renowned architects, planners, and engineers, presented several joint letters to the Chinese central government, appealing to stop the plan to commission the French architect, Paul Andrew, to design the National Grand Theater. Paul Andrew was suspect of being involved in fraudulent dealing in his effort to win the bid for the National Grand Theater in Beijing. The French authority initiated the preliminary investigation of this allegation. He had no experience designing theaters. It's he who designed the new Terminal 2e, at Charles de Gaulle Airport, which suffered a fatal collapse of its roof on May 23, 2004. The accident caused six deaths and multiple injuries. As architectural experts have pointed out, from a cultural perspective, the Grand Theater gives people an impression of a gigantic UFO full of aliens landing right in front of Zhongnanhai. Without reading any report about the building, people can immediately recognize that it's a huge mistake and embarrassment to have a building that is completely out of harmony with the traditional culture of Beijing, the ancient capital of six dynasties in Chinese history. Some have commented that the design was as practical as opening an umbrella indoors and being inside felt like being trapped in a cocoon. As a result, the building had to reach underground as deep as six to eight stories, a truly absurd design. In feng shui experts' opinion, the huge blob has ruined Beijing's feng shui, and destroyed our ancestors' grand celestial design for the city. It misplaced the yin and yang, and let the city under the spell of wicked yin qi. Zhang showed no regard for scientists' and experts' opinions. Perhaps it was a higher priority for him to please his mistress Song. He was determined to have it built as soon as possible. Some people came up with a semantic joke, and called the theater National Grand Brothel. On the other hand, Sung has been working hard to protect Jiang's rule to repay him. Her selections of songs consistently contain lyrics that praise the Chinese Communist Party and Jiang. Such as, It's a good life. It is getting better. A leader that carries on the heritage and forges ahead into the future. Follow you forever, and so on. There is a popular jingle passing among the general public in China that says, Jiang Zemin keeps at home a Mao ying travels abroad with Li Reying, and listens to songs performed by Song ying Mao ying means owl, and refers to Jiang's wife, Wang Yiping, who has long past her youth and beauty, and now suffers from many long-term ailments. Sung ying is Jiang's favorite, for she is so seductive and flirtatious. CCTV's anchorwoman Li Ra-ying looks fairly common but has a very fawning and seductive manner. Jang can hardly contain his abhorrence towards Mao To-ying. He has taken her with him on each trip abroad, just to show off that he has not discarded the woman he has married when he was obscure. In 2002, Jang and his wife were invited to visit President Bush's ranch. He left Wang Yiping behind and marched off towards the house. Mr. and Mrs. Bush then graciously tended the neglected Wang Yiping. Jiang Jang adores Sung Tzu-ying the most. Vice Chairman of the People's Congress, Chang Kejia, once upon a time, showed excessive care for Sung Zuying, Ying, a representative of the National People's Congress, and a singer. It touched off Jiang's jealousy, and later resulted in Chang's death. Right through his very execution, Chang had no idea who he had offended, or who it was that was so bent on ending his life. Li Rei Ying, CCTV's news anchor, and a married woman, was Jiang's another lover, Li had been a news anchor at CCTV since 1986. Before the June 4 massacre, Li talked like a democracy advocate, and woman of justice and righteousness. But as soon as the Chinese Communist Party declared martial law, and outlawed the student movement, Li Ying reversed her attitude, echoed the party line, and condemned the student movement. The depravity of her character became self-evident. For several years, Zhang took Li Ying with him on all of his trips abroad. During these trips, she worked as a field journalist during the day and as Jiang's concubine at night. Once she interviewed Jiang during an overseas trip, the interview caused a lot of gossip in China. For Li Reying acted like she was frolicking with Jiang. One day before Jiang toured Southeast Asia, the two Ying's, Song Zuying and Li Reying, came into collision with each other right in front of Jiang and Jiang Nanhai. Song threatened to kill herself unless Jiang would kick Li out. She gave Jiang an ultimatum: you can't have both of us. Take your pick, and demand a Zhang never see her again, or take her abroad as a journalist." Zhang gave silent approval. Li Ying burst into tears and stormed out. Since then, CCTV had banned news anchors going abroad. In the fifties, while Zhang studied in the Soviet Union, he had a Russian mistress, named Klava. While Zhang was the minister of the electrical industry, he traveled to the United States for the first time spent public money, and slept with a prostitute in Las Vegas. Afterward, the prostitute told the FBI that Fatso was good tipper. In the 80s, when Jiang's mayor of Shanghai visited San Francisco, he spent public money, gambling and whoring. A high-level U.S. police officer, who was responsible for Jiang's personal safety, was completely dumbfounded, and still bring up this incredible story with his friends. Never would he have expected that the mayor of Shanghai, would be such a low character. It must be difficult even for Jiang to keep track of the number of women, with whom he is sexually involved, and how many children he actually has. Besides Jiang Mianheng and Jiang Mian Kang, he has another son, Jiang Tran Kang, never appears in Jiang’s family portrait. Jiang Tran Kang is a mid-level official in Shanghai, and in charge of 610 office that persecutes Falun Gong. In 2003's election for Leaders of Political consultative Conference, the announcer on stage called, one vote for Song Zuying." Ying. People burst into laughter. Then the announcer called again, a vote for Li Ra Ying. People winked and looked at each other knowingly. They knew that the leadership had been already predetermined, and the ballot was just for the show, so why shouldn't they have fun with Jiang's sexual scandals? Among Jiang's mistresses, Chen Zhili has been the most loyal to him, and has the highest position in the Chinese Communist government. In 1988 Chen advanced quickly to the important position of the Minister of Propaganda in Shanghai. All the committee members knew that she had advanced by granting sexual favors. However, sex wasn't the only reason for the affair between Chen and Jiang. This one was also a hideous political liaison. Following the Cultural Revolution, Chen Zhili started working for the Shanghai Institute of Ceramics, where Jiang's eldest son happened to work as well. After Jiang was appointed the secretary of the Shanghai City Committee, Jiang Mianheng introduced Chen to his father. Jiang and Chen hit it off right away. Before the June 4 massacre, Jiang banned the publication of the World Economic Herald, due to its pro-democratic stance. When Jiang went to Beijing in May 1989, the general secretary of the CCP, Zhao Ziyang severely criticized Zhang because of his failure to deal with the reporting of the World Economic Herald. Zhang felt disaster looming, but Chen immediately told him, if the central government wants to punish someone, I'll take full responsibility. This demonstrated Chen's completely loyalty to Jiang. After the June 4 massacre at Tiananmen Square, Chen ordered the firing of all employees at the World Economic Herald and forbade the reporters from ever working as reporters again. When the newspaper's editor-in-chief was near death, Chen went to his deathbed in person and announced that he had been expelled from the Chinese Communist Party to make sure the old man would not die in peace. After Zhang started working in Jiangnanhai, he wanted to bring Chen to Beijing and give her an important position. But he did not get his wish, because of the former head of the organization department Song Ping and other leaders of the CCP objected. In 1997 when Deng Xiaoping became seriously ill and Zhang started to call the shots, he finally had the power to bring Chen to Beijing and appointed her as the chairman of the Education Committee. In the first meeting of the Education Committee that Chen chaired, she was so eager to discredit the sex scandal that she began her speech by saying that she was in a perfectly happy marriage and perfectly in love with her husband. The committee members were dumbfounded by her extreme digression from the subject at hand her ploy backfired and made her indecent relation with Jiang all the more obvious. In 1998, Zhang appointed Chen to be the education minister. The presidents of several dozens of universities, including the most prestigious Tsinghua and Beijing universities, called Chen the Chinese rowing ambassador in Europe and America, because she had done nothing but traveled all around the world at the taxpayers' expense. Chen had repeatedly faced the dangers of impeachment. At one time, over 1,200 professors from more than 80 colleges and universities presented a joint letter to the Chinese central government urging reform the dangerously crippled education system right away. Finally, Chen left her post. But with Jiang's protection, she only moved higher and became the state counselor at the state council in charge of the nation's and the military's education because that's what Jiang wanted. Of the 32 groups of the representatives, 27 strongly objected to having Chen as a state counselor. The field of education is supposed to be a pure land for developing future generations of Chinese citizens. But Chen promoted the concept of long-term economic investment in China's education system. As a result, schools became diploma mills, and they began to increase tuitions arbitrarily. The business of forging diplomas, as well as the demands for purchased diplomas has gradually become the norm in China. Under Chen's leadership, China's education system had become the primary target of complaints. After the fact that Zhang ceded Chinese lands to foreign countries became exposed, Chen ordered the alterations of the Chinese history books in December 2001 to favor Zhang. In the new version of history textbooks for high schools, Yue Fei and Wen Tianqiang from the Southern Song Dynasty are no longer revered as patriots. But Li Hong the traitor, in Qing Dynasty is revered as a patriot. Even in the face of fierce opposition, Chen inverted the fact and nature of right and wrong in order to defense Jiang's treachery from public criticism. Politically, Chen used education as an important means to secure Jiang's regime. She started brainwashing Chinese students as early as elementary school. She ordered students in elementary schools and high schools to sign petitions supporting Jiang's policy of persecuting Falun Gong. In doing so, Chen spread lies and seeds of hatred in students' young minds. During the seven years that Chen was the Minister of Education, She stopped at nothing to destroy China's already crippled education system, and poison the minds of China's youth. Because of her depraved education reforms, the quality of the education continued to fall, as did the morality of school teachers. The morality level at high schools and colleges had fallen to new lows, as having sex with prostitutes, gambling, and cheating on exams, had become very popular. Chen would run education like a manufacturing business, and promoted the selling of education as merchandise. The promise of nine years of obligatory education had completely disappeared because of her. In addition, Chen increased the quota for each college, and raised the tuition rate in order to increase revenue. She also encourages college professors to do more money-generating research. As a result, the professors neglected their students' education causing the quality of college graduates to deteriorate, and have difficulty finding a job. Zhang wanted to place people in his faction in the military to further secure his power. In 2003, he nominated Chen to be part of the Central Military Commission, and become involved in the national defense and military education. However, the plan was discarded because of the large disparity of opinions. Many high-level leaders in the military despise Chen, and call her behind her back, slut Chen. Lee Man is from Harbin, Heilongjiang province. She graduated from Harbin Military Engineering Academy. Despite her average looks, Huang has always been known for her sex appeal. In middle school, students were allowed to dance with the opposite sex, and many boys would fight over her. A school teacher at Harbin Engineering Academy had an affair with Huang. His wife learned about it and caused a scene, and the teacher eventually was punished for it. In the early 80s, Zhang was the Minister of Electronics Industry when Huang happened to work in the ministry's office. According to her colleagues at the office, Huang dressed to kill and wore a lot of makeup when she came to work every day. The offensively strong fragrance of her French perfume and the sound of her high heels always preceded and announced her arrival. Zhang would smile in lustful delight. The Chinese Communist Party organizations were allowed an hour for a nap after lunch. At the nap hour every day, Huang would sneak into Minister Jiang's office. Once, the Chinese central government delivered an urgent document to Jiang. The messenger knew what was going on inside Minister Jiang's office, so he dared not ruin his pleasure. He had no choice but to wait anxiously for over an hour outside the door. Huang finally came out of the office, and her clothes were in disarray. Before Jiang left the ministry in Beijing and became the mayor of Shanghai, he made Huang the vice chairman of the administrative office of the Electronic Industry Ministry. Shortly after Zhang arrived in Shanghai, a governmental telephone line to Shanghai was installed in Huang's home. However, the phone calls to Shanghai lasted too long, and the telephone bills were alarmingly high. Eventually, the finance department at the Electronic Industry Ministry had to review the details of her phone bills. The affair between Huang and Jiang could no longer be hidden from her husband, and Huang's husband decided to settle the divorce in court. Zhang reportedly hurried back to Beijing and negotiated with Huang's husband. The two allegedly came to terms that Huang's husband would move to Shenzhen and work for an electronics company, while Huang remained in Beijing alone, for Jiang's pleasure when he went Beijing to report to the central government. After the Tiananmen massacre in 1989, Zhang transferred Huang to Shenzhen. At first, the party leader in Shenzhen underestimated her influence. They put her in a position with no real power. Huang complained about it to Zhang asking him to seek revenge for her. Unfortunately, Zhang had not yet secured his power at that time. Besides, Huang's boss was Ren Kailei, the eldest son of Ren Deng Yi, a senior leader of the CCP. Zhang couldn't run the risk, so he had no choice but to ask Huang to temporarily put up with it. In 1993, Deng Xiaoping held an inspection tour in Xinjiang. Jiang was forced to support the reform, and followed Deng's footsteps to Xinjiang. As soon as the leaders of Shenzhen City Committee were prepared to make a presentation, Zhang asked in a seemingly nonchalant manner without even looking up, By the way, is Comrade Huang here? The question shook the secretary of Shenzhen Li Yue. This was a hint that he must not underestimate that woman. Li Yue was very familiar with the political atmosphere, so he immediately sent a car to pick Huang up. Next, the Shenzhen City Committee went through a reorganization. Huang became Secretary General and a permanent member of the Xinjiang City Committee. Later, she became deputy secretary of the Xinjiang City Committee, and had an encrypted phone line at home that was connected directly to Jiangnanhai. Since Xinjiang City was built, no political leader there had ever had an encrypted phone line to Jiangnanhai. Because of her political status, Huang became very wealthy. During those years there was a lot of traffic to her home. Some people begged her for a position in the government, some people begged her to cover up their crimes. A lot of major financial criminals were acquitted after they bribed Huang with a large bundle of money. To keep Huang's husband from exploding, Jiang ordered the local government to give green light to all his business deals. Huang Liman doesn't have any talent, morality, political accomplishment, or support from the people. She's only good in Jiang's bedroom. She then was promoted to the deputy secretary of Guangdong Province. As soon as Jiang had the power to do so, He arranged for her to become a candidate for the CCP's 16th Central Committee, the third candidate from the bottom. Once Huang began calling the shots in Shenzhen, all her sisters also prospered. Her first younger sister, Huang Lirong became chairman of the labor union of a large corporation in Shenzhen. The CEO of the corporation pledged his loyalty to Huang and Huang Lirong every day. In 1997, when the company began to trade its stock in the stock market, The CEO gave them 50,000 shares of the IPO for free. Her second younger sister Huang Lijie, was the department head of a bank. Her husband's private company was never short of cash. Just the profits for issuing loans would be enough to provide for several generations in the Huang's family. Huang Liman lived in luxury. She received 300,000 yuan in monthly benefits. The amount of her savings remained at the watermark of 50 billion yuan. She also kept luxurious mansions in Shenzhen Bay, Guangzhou, Beijing, and Shanghai, whose market value totaled 14 to 15 million yuan. Her mansion in Beijing, Guangzhou, and Shenzhen were paid for with housing benefits, in another word, they were gifts from the Chinese government. Huang had also been exposed for renting 16 luxury suites in Chilin Mansion and the Wuzhou Hotel, for a long period in the name of Shenzhen City Committee, for high level cadre at the provincial level to use for vacation and holidays. The hotel expenses totaled 20 million yuan a year. While Huang was reigning over Xinjiang City, the number of robberies rose to 600 per day on average. Xinjiang became a paradise for criminals. After Zhang stepped down, Huang soon lost her power, and was transferred to Guangdong province where she became the chairman of People's Congress, a position with no real power. However, to repair the severe damage she had done to Xinjiang, would take a long time. In the 1980s, Zhang Zemin sent his eldest son Zhang Mianheng to the United States to study, get his green card, and keep watching on the development in China. In 1992, when Zhang established complete control over the Chinese Communist Party, the Chinese Communist government, and the army, he immediately summoned Zhang Mianheng to return, and take advantage of his power to make huge fortunes in China. Thus, Zhang Mianheng brought his wife and son back to China. In January 1993, He began to work as a regular researcher at the Shanghai Institute of Ceramics under the Chinese Academy of Sciences. It raised many eyebrows that he became the head of the institute in just four years. Zhang Mianheng was doing business while keeping his job at the institute. In 1994, he bought Shanghai Joint Investment Company, worth over 100 million yuan, for the incredibly low price of only a few million yuan borrowed from a bank. This was how Zhang Mianheng started his telecommunications empire. The company was founded by a Mr. Huang, a vice chairman of Shanghai City's Economic Committee, after spending a lot of time and effort. But after founding the company and running it for only three months, Huang was transferred back to the Shanghai Economic Committee, and disappeared ever since. Next, Zhang Mianheng suddenly landed the position of the president and general manager, as though he came down in a parachute. As a result, he suddenly became the king of telecommunications in China. Being Zhang Zeman's eldest son, Zhang Mianheng has both money and power in his pockets. Therefore, his business is guaranteed to be a huge success. Overseas Chinese and Western entrepreneurs, including Yahoo co-founder, Jerry Yang, were eager to do business with him. In a few years, Jian Mianheng built a giant telecommunications empire. By 2001, Zhang Mianheng owned the Shanghai Joint Investment Company, and had controls over 10 other companies through stocks, including the Shanghai Information Network, Shanghai People Network, China Network, etc. He runs a wide variety of businesses, such as cable, electronic publishing, DVD-VCD productions, and broadband networks for online businesses. Zhang Mianheng is president of numerous companies, and had businesses in nearly all of the most prosperous industries. He's even in the top-level management of Shanghai Tunnel and Shanghai Subway. Even Shanghai Airline made him one of its directors. According to a businessman in Shanghai, Zhang Mianheng is not only China's king of telecommunications, but also the head of the underworld society in the Shanghai Triad. Success in business did not satisfy Zhang Zemin and Zhang Mianheng, after all, successful businessmen in the history of the Communist Party were vulnerable without a higher position in the Chinese Communist government. As a result, December 2, 1999. Zhang had appointed his son to be the number two figures in the Chinese Academy of Sciences. The high-profile annual Fortune Global Forum was held in May 2001 in Hong Kong. Zhang brought leader of the state, Zhang Mianheng, to the forum, and introduced him to some of the wealthiest and most powerful people in the world, especially those wealthy businessmen with multinational businesses, who wanted to expand the family's empire. On the next day, when China's application to host the 2008 Olympic Games in Beijing was approved, Zhang Mianheng signed huge business contracts with these wealthy men. By then he had become the number one embodiment of the commercial bureaucrats. Zhang Zemin ordered China Telecom to be divided into Northern Telecom and Southern Telecom, then gave Northern Telecom with its fixed assets in ten northern provinces, to Jiang Mianheng's network for free. Zhang Mianheng put the network through merger three times, and cancelled them later, So that he swept the company's assets into his own pocket before the stocks were publicly traded. People who bought the stocks ended up holding the bags. In September 2000, Zhang Mianheng and Wang Wenyang, the son of Wang Yongqing, the wealthiest businessman in Taiwan, announced to start Grace Semiconductor Manufacturing Corporation as a joint venture with a total joint investment of 6.4 billion US dollars. But Wang Wenyang stated that he did not invest a penny. It was Zhang Mianheng, who came up with all the money for the investment from the bank. Zhang Mianheng capitalized on his father's power, and became filthy rich. Zhou Zhengyi, known as the wealthiest real estate magnate in Shanghai, was arrested in May 2003 for collaborating with government officials to steal private lands. The investigators discovered that Zhang Mianheng had stolen a large pack of land in Jing'an District. He and Zhang Mianheng were even more wicked and cold-hearted than Zhou Zhengyi they forced the residents out of their private properties, and did not compensate them at all. Shortly before the CCP's 16th Congress, Zhang Mianheng inspected the number 502 branch of the Ministry of Industry and Information Technology, and watched the demonstration of searching the keyword Zhang Zemin on Google, never expecting that three out of the top ten hits in the search results would describe Jiang's crimes. Moreover, the first article in the search results had the headline Evil Jiang." Zhang Mianheng was both shocked and angry. To completely deny the Chinese people's rights to obtain overseas information about democracy, human rights and freedom, especially overseas information about Falun Gong, Zhang Mianheng began to accelerate the efforts to filter the Internet. He was responsible for developing the Golden Shield Project to completely control the Internet and monitor people's access to the Internet in China. The initial investment in the Golden Shield Project alone totaled 800 million U.S. dollars. Under Zhang Zemin's reign, Zhang Mianheng had become the head supervisor of the network police. Zhang Zemin's younger son, Zhang Min Khan, is not as ambitious and ferocious as his brother. He has a background in radio, and has never worked on anything that has to do with the army. But Zhang asked for Shu Tsai Ho's help to make Jiang Min Khan vice chairman of the political committee at the Nanjing army base, as well as a major general. Before his retirement, Zhang Zemin didn't trust anyone with military power, so he tried to transfer Jiang Min Khan to the general strategy department of the PLA. But the head of the CMC, Qi Hao Tian, objected to his nomination. Zhang had no choice, but to settle Jiang Min Khan in the position of the head of the second bureau in the army's general political department. Soon, he was promoted to be the assistant director of the organization department. And next, the director of the organization department. Zhang Zemin's uncle, Zhang Shangqing, had two daughters, Zhang Zihui and Zhang Ziling. As Zhang continued to advance in his political career, he promoted Jiang Zihui at an incredible speed. She was a common school teacher at Anhui Agricultural College in Anhui Province. First, he made Jiang Zihui Dean of the School of Forestry at Anhui Agriculture College. And then, he made her the principal of the Anhui Agriculture College. Finally, he made her the head of Chinese Academy of Forestry. Zhang Ziman's nephew, Zhang son, Taijun, lost 11.5 million yuan in real estate, and was unable to pay back the debt. So he forged a company's stamp, of a Hong Kong real estate company to forge documents, and mortgaged the company's 45 apartments, to get the cash to pay his debt. The Hong Kong company filed a lawsuit against Tai John in Guangling People's Court, and the court started processing the case in March 2000. The court verified that the company's stamp on the documents was forged. However, the trial against Tai John faced a lot of obstacles and pressures from the top, because he is Jiang's nephew. The court was forced to drop the investigation, and ended the trial. The Hong Kong company never got its properties back. Tai John had been buying a lot of houses, stocks, and entertainment business for over 10 years. He is the general manager of a Yangzhou high rise, the owner of Tianzan Entertainment City, and the president of many joint venture companies. Tai John also used his influence as Jiang's nephew to get a loan of 16 million yuan for his stock trading. From the Northern Industry Group, a company with a military background. Taijian has been very active in the business arena. Zhang Ziman has a nephew named Wu Ximing, in Bangfu, Anhui Province, an uneducated man. As soon as Zhang became Secretary of Shanghai City Committee, Wu became a member of the Chinese Communist Party, and now became a permanent member of the Shanghai City Committee, the Secretary of the Party Committee at Shanghai Public Security Bureau the head of Shanghai City Public Security Bureau, and a ranking member of Standing Committee of Shanghai City Military Police. In January 2003, Zhang made another nephew of his, Xia Diran, a permanent member of the Liaoning Province Committee, Assistant Secretary of Dalian City Committee, and the Mayor of Dalian City. Since then, Zhang had had his way in Dalian City when he visited, acting like the city was his private property. According to the media report, Zhou Kang had claimed to be Mrs. Jiang's nephew, and often boasted that he was very close to Chairman Jiang. Zhou Kang is a rather depraved man. According to people close to him, he often slept with prostitutes at hotels, with the excuse of working late. Moreover, it's said that on multiple occasions, he had forced himself upon female employees of the hotels. Since Zhou Kang had been one of the government officials most enthusiastic about persecuting Falun Gong, Jiang appointed him Minister of Public Security. It's difficult to track the total number of Jiang's relatives who had advanced to high places or made huge fortunes because of their relation to Jiang. When the higher-ups do not set a good example, the subordinates cannot be expected to behave well. Jiang's escapade of nepotism had caused the already corrupted Chinese Communist regime to become irreversibly corrupt.